MechCast, Thursday, September 22nd, 2020. Hey, Mac Geeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for Mac Geeks by Mac Geeks. I'm Adam, and this is a show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. We might be a little bit earlier than you expected this week. That's because, guess what? I'm heading out of town. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to relax for a little bit and visit some family up north of here uh, over in Minnesota. All you Minnesotans, Hello. Uh, I'll be passing through, so wave as I go by. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting away and seeing some relatives I haven't seen in a very, very long time. So it should be fun. I'm going to get to relax, maybe do a little fishing, that sort of stuff. As a result, we're doing the show a little closer together than we normally do, but I'll be back again next week with a bunch more content. This one's going to be a little bit shorter, probably, just because there's fewer stories for us to cover. But we still have a lot of fun things to talk about. So it should be a great episode. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great day, weekend, whatever it might be. And uh, I say we just get things started. But before we do, we are going to take a quick moment and thank a show sponsor. And as a certain MCU anti-hero might say, or once said, holy S-balls! That's because Rogue Amoeba is celebrating their 20th anniversary. And guess what? You're going to get the gift in the form of some awesome software at a discounted price. And that's because I, you know, I can't believe it's actually been 20 years of Rogue Amoeba, especially since I've pretty much been using their software since I think day one, man, am I, am I that old? I think I probably am. If you're a podcaster, a musician, or just someone who wants to listen to audio on their Mac, Rogue Amoeba can help make your life better. Whatever you want to do with audio, eh, there is a good bet they have a tool to help you. As a podcaster, I would be lost without their products, Audio Hijack. It's what everyone I know in the podcast community relies on, myself included, to record audio from any source. It's how we conduct interviews. If we're using Discord, Zoom, Skype, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you need to send audio around and you need to record it, Audio Hijack is the product for you. Fission, you would not hear this show without fission it's an amazing lossless audio editor it's how i do the chapters to enhance every episode of the matcast that's how you get mp3 chapters plus there's loopback which is which is a powerful audio routing tool you can do all your routing without the need for any cables or mixers sound source is the ultimate way to control the sound that's built into your mac and the list goes on and on and on. We've talked about a lot of their products on the show in the past. As a matter of fact, I think just last episode, we were talking about airfoil and things you could do with that. And here's the thing. Rogue Amoeba doesn't run constant gimmicky sales or discounts. They actually have great prices on their software all the time. But right now, because it's in celebration of their anniversary... They are making an exception. They're doing a discount for a very limited time to celebrate 20 years in business. You can get 20% off your purchase from Rogue Amoeba right now. So if you've been waiting, now is the time to buy. And you don't even need a coupon or any special URL. Just go to macaudio.com before the end of September, and you're going to get 20% off 
anything they make. So pick anything out. You can download free trials and check out their stuff for free and then buy online with that discounted price. But do it quickly because you need to do it before the end of September. And congratulations to Rogue Amoeba on 20 great years. Thanks for making great stuff. Visit them at macaudio.com. I believe we mentioned on the last episode of the MacCast that it seems like Apple's strategy for the iPhone this year is working out, at least initially. They seem to be pushing more and more consumers to update to the iPhone Pro models. As you know, they put a lot of the big new features into the Pro Edition, the new camera, the dynamic island, the list goes on and on and on. And at present, that strategy does seem to be paying off. According to Ming-Chi Kuo, he says that the iPhone 14 Pro models are going to make up 60 to 65% of the total iPhone shipments in the second half of 2020. And because of this, he's expecting Apple to alter their supply and order more Pro models while reducing shipments of the non-Pro versions. I think we talked about that last time, that they were going to cut back production on the non-Pro versions, and now it's looking like they're going to ramp up at least by about 10% by his estimates, the production of the iPhone Pro models. So selling very well. I kind of attribute this one to Apple's strategy of, you know, really separating the feature set between the Pro and the non-Pro models, but also I think just timing. Every year, early adopters go for the Pro models. And I think ultimately in the long run, probably in 2023, we're going to see sales ramp up of the non-Pro editions. So in my mind, this is not really an indication of Apple's strategy as much as it is just buying behaviors of consumers when new iPhone models come out. And again, I think it's going to kind of shift and change as we move into 2023, but that's just my opinion. And we're also hearing uh, rumors from display analyst Ross Young that he thinks some of the features like Dynamic Island will actually be on all of the iPhones in 2023. So all standard models of the iPhone 15, he believes, is are going to feature the Dynamic Island, but Apple will reserve other Pro features, according to him, like the always-on display and 120 hertz ProMotion for the Pro editions of the iPhone. So it's still going to be that differentiation, but it'll shift and change as Uh, the iPhone evolves in the next year. So, you know, don't worry if you are an iPhone buyer and you didn't get the the Dynamic Island this year. It looks like you will have that opportunity maybe next year. Speaking of the iPhone 14 Pros, there was a little issue that was discovered, actually first noticed and reported by YouTuber Luke Miani, with that new 48 megapixel wide angle camera. And that's because it has a new and updated optical image sensor in it. And it seems like some third party apps, specifically apps like Instagram or TikTok, seemed to freak out the sensor for some reason and it would wobble and shake pretty violently. He actually put out a video And it was so bad, you could actually hear it and see it. And a lot of people were were worried, hey, is that thing actually going to break? So just be aware that Apple 
is aware of it and there is a patch out already. So if you get the latest iOS update, it does address that issue. So it was definitely happening. Um, I didn't notice it on my iPhone 14 Pro. I tried a couple of third-party apps and didn't have the issue. So I don't know what actually triggers it or triggered it, um, but it should be resolved by the time you hear this episode. And so if you haven't updated and you have a new iPhone 14 Pro model, uh, you probably want to grab that update just so you don't ever have to experience that because it was pretty freaky. Um, And I think last time we talked a little bit, I don't normally talk about specific apps on the show, but the Halite app, which is a great photography app that gives you a lot of control over your uh, camera, a lot more controls, manual controls and things like that, more kind of professional style controls than the built-in camera app. So if you're looking for something a little more advanced, that's a great app. I know there's a lot of great photo apps out there, but the Halide one kind of leads the charge. Uh, the developers over there are really pushing the technology that Apple delivers to limit, and that goes for the new 48 megapixel wide angle sensor that came out in the iPhone 14 Pro this year. So they just released a new version. And the only reason I'm really bringing this up was because last episode we kind of had the question, would you be able to use the 48 megapixel sensor to actually take photos at 48 megapixels in a format other than Apple Pro Raw? Apple's built-in app will only let you do it with the Pro Raw. If you want to shoot in JPEG, you're going to do the the quad pixel thing and it'll be a 12 megapixel image capture in JPEG. Well, it turns out that uh, the Halide app, you can take 48 megapixel processed images straight to the HEIC format or JPEG format, depending upon your settings. That means you're going to get about 125th the size of the file, so a much smaller file at 48 megapixels uh, versus the Pro Raw. And you'll be able to capture those images 2.5 times faster. So you're going to be able to get that good quality, but the benefit of the the compression now obviously if you want the best quality you still want to shoot the pro raw but just the fact that you can do it that was a little uncertain looks like you actually can and it's out and available in the new halide app i i'd assume a number of other pro uh, camera apps will also offer that kind of functionality in addition the new halide app has support for pro raw Uh, The ability to quickly switch from 48 megapixel to 12 megapixel capture. That's something you have to, you know, play around with Apple settings. It also has manual focus and depth capture and a bunch of other really cool, again, pro and features. So if you're looking for a cool app, that might be one that you want to check out. Another thing I think we talked about in the last episode of the MacCast was the annoying copy-paste alert that showed up with iOS 16. It was a security feature. It is a security feature that's meant to prevent an issue where some bad actor third-party apps were actually reading data from your clipboard and uh, not telling you about it, basically. So if you've copied something to the clipboard in iOS, any app really has access to that in the background and could grab that and do stuff with the data. So Apple put in this new security feature to alert you if that was going on. Uh, The problem was, or is, that, uh, and I experienced this, a lot of us were getting that alert every time we copied and pasted anywhere inside iOS, or almost anywhere. It was popping up all over the place, and I think I mentioned it was really, really annoying. Well, a Mac Rumors reader sent an email about it to Tim Cook and Craig Federighi and received a response from Ron Huang, 
a senior manager at Apple. And he was one of the inventors of this security feature, which is, again, intended to, intended to require that apps ask permission to access the, key, the clipboard, uh, especially when it might have sensitive data. But he says what users have been experiencing in iOS 16 is not the intended behavior and that um, Apple would get to the bottom of the issue and fix it. The operating system is not meant to be prompting users for paste permissions when they're explicitly choosing the copy and paste action. It's really, this protection is meant to kick in when the app is trying to read and paste the contents of the clipboard in the background without the user's consent. And as a matter of fact, the fix is also already out for this, just like the OIS shaking camera issue in iOS 16.0.2. So that update actually addresses both the issues we just talked about, the camera vibration, the copy-paste thing. It also has updates to fix an issue where the display might appear completely black during device startup, has an issue to fix voiceover, which might be unavailable after rebooting, and addresses an issue where the touch input was unresponsive on some iPhone 10, 10R, and 11 displays after they had been serviced. So grab that update and you should be good to go. Another update to know about, especially if you're getting new AirPods Pro 2, is there's a new firmware update uh, available, even though as I'm recording this today on 922, those are not available yet. They're going to be available tomorrow on 9.23. So uh, there should be an update waiting for you. I think the update just kind of happens automatically. I don't think you have to do anything really special. It should get updated when you get your new device, but probably out there to fix some bugs and issues that were discovered after they went into production. So the firmware version, just so you can check it, will be 5A377, and that replaces 5A 374, which is the version that the uh, AirPods Pro 2 will have shipped with. So that's pretty much what I have for you in the news for this week. Before we move on, I do want to take a quick moment and thank another show sponsor, and that is LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is a place where you share your ideas, whether you're passionate about healthcare, sports, entertainment, finance, podcasting, or anything in between, there's a community of more than 850 million people who care about the same things as you. When you create and share on LinkedIn, you're not just connecting with other people, you're connecting with opportunities. And I love LinkedIn. It's actually my favorite place because it's my professional social network. It's really where I go to connect with people in my business, work, community, it's really separate in my mind from other social networks. And there's just a lot of great professional content on there. So whether it's looking for a new job, a speaking engagement, contract work, or just more followers, the people who see your work on LinkedIn are the ones who can generate business outcomes. LinkedIn is the place where people can help each other on their professional journey. I have certainly experienced that. Help me actually find and locate my current position. So whatever that may look like, LinkedIn has those opportunities. When you share what you know, the conversations you start can help others develop new skills or inspire them with new perspectives. 
Visit linkedin.com today and join the conversation and get the tools you need to reach your audience. That's linkedin.com. And a big thank you to LinkedIn for their support of the show. Last episode, I shared with you my little cautionary tale about ordering iPhones. Actually, just my experience this year in ordering my iPhone 14 Pro, which has been a harrowing one. Uh, One thing that I didn't mention and actually came up from a listener uh, was that, you know, the carrier games. Let's talk about the carrier games a little bit. So I think, as you know, if you listened to the last episode, I ended up buying my iPhone from a local Verizon store. I moved recently. I used to be in San Diego where there was pretty much an Apple store on every corner. I don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, The closest Apple store to me now is four, four and a half hours away. And I know a lot of you can can relate to that. It's a little bit different. It's a change for me. You know, it was very easy for me to get to an Apple store. And now it's not so much. I do have a great uh, Apple authorized reseller, though, uh, about an hour away. And uh, yeah, so that's not too bad. And I'll be going there if I need repairs or or things like that. But, you know, on launch day, they can't really help you with an iPhone. It's not a place you can typically walk into and get an iPhone. So since my iPhone was damaged and being returned to Apple, and my only option was to get a replacement that wasn't going to come for a month until the end of October, I was looking for other options outside of having to drive four hours to an Apple store. And I thought, hey, I'm a Verizon customer. I have a Verizon store in town. I wonder if they have any iPhones. I wasn't really expecting it, but I called them up. Uh, They had the exact model I was interested in, and they only had one. They had one model. It just happened to be a 256 gigabyte uh, deep purple iPhone 14 Pro. And I'm like, great, hold on to that. I will be right in. So I went in and uh, when I told the rep that, hey, I just want to buy the phone. Can I just give you the cash and I'll take it and I'll take care of the activation and the transfer and blah, blah, blah. I got a really puzzled look. They looked at me like, uh, you want to do what? You want to just buy the phone and and take it? We can't do that. We can't allow that. And uh, sure enough, his boss said, yeah, on launch weekend, we can't do that. And this is what came up with the uh, the other listener. They walked into an Apple store. The Apple store had the phone they wanted, but they said, unless you buy a carrier version, uh, we can't sell you one. We cannot sell you a pure unlocked phone and you can't walk out of here with it. There might be other locations that have them, but we don't have them. And it's something that Apple and the carriers do. I don't know. It's super annoying. What was going on at my store is basically... They told me straight out, Verizon wants to lock you into a contract for three years. They don't want you to just buy a phone. So they ended up having to do this weird trick where she said, oh, well, you can pay, you know, for all of the phone except 36 cents. And then what we'll do is we'll set you up on paying one cent per month for three years. So 36 cents. And then really, in the first month, you can just pay all of that off and then then you'll own the phone and you'll be out of contract and whatever. So I ended up doing that. But I mean, like these games are just dumb. So there was that having to, having to deal with that. And I know many of you who live in other countries are like, what? Yeah, the US is weird. Um, <laughs> carriers are weird. 
that's generally why I like buying my phone from Apple and and really not dealing with the carrier so that I can just buy it outright. But man, that part's weird. And if you think that part is weird, I have one more part of this story to to share with you, the continuing saga. Because lo and behold, I was sitting here today in my office doing my normal stuff. And my wife came in and she had a package for me. Guess what that package was? No, not the replacement iPhone that Apple said they were going to send me that was going to come at the end of October because I had canceled that. This was the mysterious broken iPhone that I had originally ordered that was supposed to be here on the 16th. And here it showed up on the 22nd. And uh, I was thinking... Wait a minute, this was damaged, according to UPS. What is it doing here at my house? And in a box, mind you, that had zero damage on it. This was a pristine new 14-inch iPhone Pro, deep purple, 256-gigabyte iPhone. Excellent condition, everything. I have no idea what happened. I called up Apple support I called up their second tier escalation department. I talked to a lovely gentleman named Jason there, and he was just as puzzled. He looked it up and he said, yeah, we saw that it was supposed to be returned, um, but we haven't seen any update on the package uh, since the 16th when it was reported damaged and being returned to Apple until we saw it show up at, uh, at your house. So needless to say, now I have to return a an iPhone 14 Pro 256 to Apple. Luckily, they gave me a return label, but I still have to drop it off at FedEx. And, you know, it's just like, it's crazy. I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, so I don't know if anybody else has, or if this is the first time anything like this happens. I wish I could get into the inner workings at UPS. If anybody at UPS knows how this could have happened or maybe has a theory that you can share with me even anonymously i would love to know what went down because this is completely bizarre so it's broken uh damaged we're sending it back to apple and then it still winds up at my house it's just somewhat annoying because had i known that it was going to get here this week i never would have gone through the rigmarole of one trying to get a replacement two trying to maybe go to minnesota or find someone elsewhere uh, find one elsewhere, I would have just waited for it to show up. I just didn't want to wait a full another month before I got the iPhone because I like to talk about features and things with you folks. So <laughs> that's what's going on. That's the updated saga. So, so bizarre. Another thing I mentioned on the last episode of the MacCast was, especially with the new 48 megapixel camera and this whole pro raw thing that it's a little bit of a bummer that apple has stuck with the lightning cable or lightning connector on the iphone because of the speed and i mentioned that the speed on the current iphone and this is true is usb 2.0 speed um so 480 megabits per second i think is the top speed so it's going to take a little while to transfer your photos off of your iphone and some people are even opted opting to just do it through the cloud or through Wi-Fi. As a matter of fact, I think Apple recommends that you do it through iCloud Photo Library and sync them back to your Mac that way. Well, Tim, 
who I know is an incredible podcaster and iPhone fanatic. He uh, sent in this little audio comment with a little bit of a little bit of a correction about lightning and its capabilities. So here's what uh, Tim had to say. Hey, Adam, this is Tim Chatton from the iPad Pros podcast. A bit of feedback for you regarding the lightning connector and on iPhone, the USB 2 speeds. Well, uh, on the iPad Pro second generation released in 2017, which was a lightning based iPad, those iPads were USB 3 speeds. So the connector itself uh, it appears Apple knows how to put USB 3 speeds into that thing. Maybe there's a space consideration for iPhone. I'm not quite sure. But just a bit of feedback that the Lightning Connector has indeed done USB 3 speeds in the past. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Bye. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate that because I had actually honestly forgot about that uh, little tweak. It's interesting, though. You'd think that it wouldn't be a space constraint unless it's something with the processor but i i think these days if i'm not mistaken apple puts all the controllers in the a series chip and you would think if they could do it in the 2017 ipad they could do it in a 2022 iphone but i'm sure they have their rationale and reason i still think my original kind of thought stands that it seems like it might be time to move to USB-C. Presumably, then we would gain Thunderbolt 4 USB 4 support, which is up to 40 gigabits per second, at least 20 gigabits per second to support and be USB 4 compatible. And that would be versus even if Apple were to do USB 3 with the Lightning connector, what, 5 gigabits per second? So at least four times faster if we get to USB C. And I, I, it really just feels like time. I guess that was my ultimate point behind that is like, yeah, we're ready for it. We can move away from lightning. I know there's a lot of lightning accessories out there and people have a lot of lightning cables and charging devices and all that stuff, but Apple's switched connectors before. You know, we went from 30 pin to lightning, right? To 30 pin to lightning. I'm trying to remember the actual chronology. It's been a long, long time, but you get my point. I mean, we can switch connectors. I think it's time to do it. I would be shocked if the iPhone 15 is not a USB-C device. I think it's working great on the iPads. I love my USB-C connections with iPad. I love to see them switch the AirPods over to that. Like, let's just go across the board, USB-C, Thunderbolt 4, and move on with our lives, right? I think it's time. So just my opinion. Uh, as always, if you have a different opinion or you agree, give me some feedback, maccast at gmail.com. All right, last thing that I want to talk about today a little bit is the advancement of technology and sort of changing technology and how, hey, maybe not everybody, for whatever reason, is a fan. And I think what's cool about this is I think you can have your own opinions and thoughts on technology and use whatever you like and do whatever you like. And a good example of this is I received an email from Jill this week who says, hey, I'm not a fan of the splotch. I love this. This is what she's calling the dynamic island. I think it's very descriptive. And I absolutely love it. She's also not a fan of the notch, as you might might have guessed, and uh, pointed out that, hey, I'm going to be keeping my iPhone 8 Plus 
because I absolutely love it. As a matter of fact, I just put a new battery in it. And I say, good for you, Jill. If you love that phone, use it. Like, that is amazing. You don't need to upgrade. I upgrade every year a lot of it is for this podcast, but I love the new technology. I love playing with it. Uh, but if you're a fan of the technology you have and it works and it does the job, there's absolutely no reason to change. And I think we should celebrate that more. I think we should celebrate people keeping the technology they love and using it for as long as possible. I mean, that's certainly much more environmentally friendly than what I'm doing, which is getting a new phone every year. Now, we do pass them down to my family, so they stick around in the family for a long, long time. But we're cycling through a lot of iPhones and components. And yes, Apple has great recycling programs, all that stuff, right? There's ways to manage this. But you get my point, right? Nothing wrong with holding on to old technology. I, for example, absolutely love my original Core Duo, not even Core 2 Duo, Mac Mini. And I use it as a network server with a Drobo attached to it to do my backups. We've talked about this. It's a great machine. It's not going to die. It's not going away anytime soon. Yes, it has to run an old operating system, but we keep it disconnected from the internet. It just has to sit on my LAN. You know, there's ways to to handle that. But Jill pointed out some great features of why she's a fan of the iPhone 8. And I think this is awesome. One, in her opinion, it's the most beautiful phone that Apple ever made. Totally. Everybody has their favorite design. She likes the smooth and rounded edges versus the sharp edges. And we've gone through iterations. You know, I know a lot of people who think the iPhone 3G was the best looking iPhone Apple ever made. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. I don't know that would, that would be my phone, but that was a great phone. No doubt. Hands down, that was a great iPhone from Apple. Um, she also says the best UI element that ever, Apple ever took away is the wonderful home button. It has Touch ID, which has none of the drawbacks of Face ID. Um, I guess drawbacks of Face ID is maybe you can't use it with your face covered and some of those things. You know, I'm a big fan of Touch ID. I think it's great. I think Face ID is great. Um, But whatever you prefer, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, go home button users. That, that That is really, really cool. And then finally, she says... And it cunningly conceals the camera and other sensors in an off-screen area called the bezel, right? You don't have this thing protruding into your screen. And I totally get that. It, you know, the bezels worked, right? They hid the camera very, very nicely. You've got full screen real estate with nothing sort of taking things up. You know, she points out that thanks to the bezel, her battery icon can actually display both the percentage and a visual indication of the battery level, guess what? At the same time, amazing. (laughs) You know, now there's this big controversy about the new icon, right? Because now you get the percentage back, but you don't get the little visual indication as it drains down. And a lot of people are like, why didn't Apple figure that out? You know, you could be able to have both, but we don't, right? You have to have one or the other. So you You really don't get that choice. But with the bezel, without a notch or a dynamic island, you really, really do both. And I would say, how great is it? And this is really a testament to Apple, I think, versus other manufacturers, that a five-year-old iPhone can still run the latest OS. You can get iOS 16 to run on your iPhone 8 Plus. So I think that's amazing. Continue to use it. Use it till it dies. That is wonderful. And to have that option is really, really cool. So again, I think we should kind of celebrate that. I know sometimes, you know, people will kind of 
look down on people that use older technology. And I've never quite understood that. Uh, you know, it's if you love it and it's great and it works for you, more power to you. Absolutely. That is awesome. So thank you for sharing your story, Jill, and your opinions. I agree with a lot of them. And, uh, you know, that said, I'm going to tell you, I am actually really enjoying the Dynamic Island on my iPhone 14 Pro. I think it's one of the most innovative user interface elements that Apple has come up with in a long time. I think they've gotten very creative with it. I am looking forward to seeing what third-party developers do with it. We're already seeing some of that. I think the developer for um, Apollo, which is a Reddit editor, created a little pixel pet hack or, or feature for his app. So you can now turn on and get these little animals that live, these little pixel animals that live on your dynamic island and move around kind of like Tamagotchi or whatever which I think is super clever and fun. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that with the dynamic Island. It may be kind of dumb, but my, one of my favorite new features of the dynamic Island is the animation for face ID unlock. It's this really cool visual animation that takes over the dynamic Island area. It turns into a little square with kind of a spinning circle as it's doing the face scan. And it's a simple little thing, but it makes me happy every time I see it. And then it turns green when the phone unlocks or face on face ID unlocks. And it's really, really fun. I also think it's super handy to have just that visual, those visual indicators there. Timers are one of my favorite. Again, a simple little thing, but to be able to look at my phone quickly at a glance and see where my timer's at, it just makes it really, really nice and easy. So absolutely love it. I think it's a handy feature. I think it's going to be copied by a lot of folks. And, uh, you know, I think Apple's going to totally expand on it and it's going to be fun to see where it goes. So love the dynamic Island. I think it's really cool. And if you do have an iPhone with the dynamic Island and you want to have a little bit of fun, here's a little mini thing of the moment to kind of close out the show. There is a cool little app. Again, developers are going to do really cool things with this, but immediately somebody thought Pong and a developer created a little app called Hit the Island. I'll have a link to it in the show notes at maccast.com. It's free with ads, and then you can pay like a buck ninety nine if you want to get rid of the ads. I think it's a great deal. And it's just a simple little app. It's kind of like Pong. You have a paddle at the bottom, and then you try to hit the dynamic island. And they create this really cool animation when you hit it. And the more times you hit it, it'll speed up. You get additional... Uh, balls going around it gets harder and harder and harder and you try and see how many times you can hit the dynamic island and that's it that's the entire game super simple super fun and uh, a clever little way to take advantage of a new ui feature that apple has built into a physical thing on the device i think it's just super super smart super clever and super fun and it's what it's the kind of thing that Apple comes up with and Apple does, and it just puts a smile on your face at the end of the day when you're using it. And every once in a while, they hit on one of those. It's not all the time, but when they hit on it and it hits right like this, I think it's great. And it's why it's one of the main reasons why I am a fan of Apple. It's that kind of innovation, and I love to see it. And it was kind of cool that we got that this year with the iPhone 14 Pros. So look forward to that expanding to other devices again, because that'll put more dynamic islands out there, which means developers will be wanting to do more with it and Apple will do more with it. 
and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. But with that, that is going to do it for the episode for this week. Thank you for hanging out with me. I am going to take off and get a little vacation, a little R&R, and uh, I will be back refreshed next week with another episode of the MacCast. But in the meantime, I want to thank a couple supporters. Bandwidth for the MacCast is provided by Cashfly. You can find them at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. And all advertising on the MacCast is handled by Backbeat Media. They are at BackbeatMedia.com. As always, I love hearing from you. If you have a comment, a question, something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the MacCast, you can send your emails and audio comments to MacCast at gmail.com. You're also welcome to call in on the listener hotline and leave a voicemail. That phone number is 281-622-4269, 281-MAC-I-AM-9. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacCast. You can check out the MacCast Facebook page over at facebook.com slash the MacCast or check out Instagram, just MacCast on Instagram. But that is going to do it for now. Until next time, I will talk to you all again real soon.